You're listening to the SHL Smart Teams Podcast, a show where we invite experts on people science to talk about how to build a future where businesses thrive because their people thrive. Hi, this is Michelle Keefe with SHL. It's my privilege and honor to be back with Todd Brody again today um, to speak about a really timely topic around leading during times of crisis. So thanks for joining me again today, Todd. Thanks, Michelle. It's an honor to uh, to be here to chat with you again. It's uh, it, you know, and a really interesting topic when we think about leading in crisis because, you know, from my experience in working with many different organizations around the world, you know, leaders can lead in times that are are good, but many times when there's a crisis that's brewing, they may not know what to do. So I think this is really a great topic and a kind of a timely sub- subject given kind of all that's happening with this pandemic with COVID nineteen. Absolutely. No, I, I think it could not be more timely. Um, so let's just kind of start, Todd, with some introductions briefly, just so that, you know, if somebody didn't join us uh, previously, they can kind of get to know us a little bit. So I'll go first. Um, for those of you who have not spoken with before, my name is Michelle Keefe. I'm a business development manager with SHL based here in the D.C. area. And I had the uh, ability to get to know Todd over the last five years or so. We worked together when I was at SHRM. Um, he, went, he and I worked together on a number of projects over the time I was there. And so I was really, really happy that we were able to get him to join us for a series of podcasts talking about all the issues that are going on right now and the impact on HR. So Todd, I'll turn it over to you if you want to introduce yourself as well. Yeah. So my name is Todd Brody. And again, I'm pleased to be with you all today. So my background is really in kind of global talent management and helping organizations focus on specific talent aspects to help create organizational success. And one of the key areas that I I focus in, in on is leadership development and leadership coaching. Thanks, Todd. Wonderful. So as we think about this topic, right, I knew you and I had a chance to kind of talk about some things that were, were really relevant as we think about what is a very important topic right now. So just kind of thinking about obviously the leaders and some of the behaviors that maybe they should demonstrate in times of crisis and how they can use those behaviors to lead effectively. Talk to me a little bit about that yeah. if you would. Yeah. So I think, Michelle, there's really a, a, fir- a few considerations. I think first, We need to keep in mind that during a time of crisis, really the ultimate goal is to reduce loss and to keep things operating as normally as possible for the organization. In fact, many times during this time of crisis, we're creating a new norm. And I think there also needs to be a recognition that the norm may be a new norm, but it could be a short-term norm or a long-term new norm. So I think that's important for us to understand because we may not go back immediately to the way things were, or at all. So that's kind of an important foundational piece that we have to shift that mindset and behavior. I think additionally, there's a few key things that leaders need to focus on during a time of crisis, such as what we're facing today with COVID-19. I think one of the most important things as a, a foundational piece before we can demonstrate kind of some of the appropriate behaviors is really first ensuring that we have access to and are really seeking credible information. I think that becomes so incumbent upon the leader to obtain the most reliable and up-to-date information from trustworthy sources. When we look at COVID-19, for example, you know, we've got many great organizations that can provide this information. In the US, organizations like the CDC or elsewhere in the world, you know, uh, places like the state's Ministry of Health or the World Health Organization are really some valuable organizations to provide you know, great, um, <clears throat> excuse me, reliable and valid information. I think it's also important to note that those that may also have multiple locations in multiple jurisdictions, 
that you're probably going to have to consult with or engage with or review local health departments in some way, shape, or form to see if there's any either additional components or pieces you need to take into consideration. As we look at maybe more of some of the specific behaviors, I think one of the key specific behaviors really is effective communication. And I think that's critical at this point in time. We really have to be able to disseminate to all of our stakeholders as truthfully and accurately as possible. And really, as we know, information helps to reduce stress and fear because it helps to provide guidance. And maybe even from an employee perspective, it demonstrates care and concern by leaders of organizations. You know, I think there's an old adage, you know, when you kind of shampoo your hair, rinse and repeat, there's kind of something similar when it comes to communication. And we start to think about, you know, review, repeat and reinforce. And I think that's a communication mantra that leaders have to follow now. And I, I don't think that's a, a negotiable piece in terms of following those three things. You know, while we often many times feel short of time in our day regularly, I think for many of us during a crisis, we have, you know, um, this feeling that time's been cut short, maybe by 50% or 75% or maybe even more. So we have to kind of be intentional and make time for effective communication and ensure that happens. It also includes as part of that communication message, what are we as leaders or we as the organization or a combination of both doing to respond to this crisis? And many times this may feel a little bit unattainable, especially at the onset of a crisis like we had in, in this situation. We don't always have necessarily a solid grasp of what's happening or the impact it's going to have on the organization or its stakeholders, including our employees. But I think we do have to take action. We can't take this wait and see approach and communicate what those actions are truthfully and honestly based on the information we know, again, from those credible sources, while at the same time acknowledging that we may have to change again and again and again as new information comes forth. I think it's also important to note that we may not always get the actions or communication approach right all the time. But that is okay. We have to acknowledge that, that that's going to happen. And I think our stakeholders, including our employees, can be forgiving as long as we're honest and truthful. You know, like any habit, practice makes perfect. And maybe we should also look at practicing some of these communication efforts in times of non-crisis as well. But we can kind of get to that later. You know, as I think about maybe a last thought on this, and one of the other key behaviors that has to be part of effective leadership and communication is that we have to be present and visible as well as accessible, even if it's virtually. You know, in, in the first you know, discussion that we had about remote workers, that connection is so important. And especially in times of crisis, it becomes, I think, even more important to make sure that we're making those connections. So doing things like video chats or written communications or making phone calls one-on-one -on -one to our employees can go a long way during times of crisis. I think you hit on some really, really wonderful things there, Todd. I mean, I think the communication, right, with anytime you're in an organization, it's so important with that transparent communication, but especially right now, especially when you've got companies that are having to make some, some pretty hard decisions. Yeah. Right, if they're considering laying people off or furloughing. And so I think that's certainly something to consider. 
Um, and so if we think about that, I, I know there was something you and I had had a chance to chat about yeah. when it comes to, you know, some of those hard decisions. I think there was something you wanted to mention on that. Yeah, I think, you know, ultimately what's happening today, you know, with COVID-19 and, and, and this pandemic that's happening is that we're trying to make this determination if we're going to stay the course of our strategy or if we're going to look to revamp the strategic direction of the organization or maybe create, again, short or long-term new norms for the organization. I think it's important for us to acknowledge that leaders have done really a fantastic job during this pandemic. Could they have done more? Or could they have done better? Absolutely. But we also have to recognize that for many organizations, I think that there wasn't a lot of preparation or maybe advanced notice of the organizational impacts that we're seeing today. You know, we can take a look at things like a lessons learned approach at a later point in time. But I think it's so important for leaders to take the step back and first of all, acknowledge the significant decisions that they've had to make, knowing that they would be impacting employees or other stakeholders' lives, maybe for the good or maybe not. And I think it's a tremendous testament to organizational leaders on a global basis. We've had leaders having to make choices and decisions on things like downsizing or furloughs, or maybe even trying to maintain a culture or semblance of maybe some type of normalcy. And we need to make sure that not only do we look at kind of the negative decisions we've had to make, we've had to take a look at some positive decisions we've had to make as well. You know, as we look at, you know, um, grocery stores or grocery retailers, they've had to ramp up their, <clears throat> excuse me, workforces in a short period of time. If we take a look at the automobile industry, they've changed from manufacturing automobiles to manufacturing ventilators almost overnight. And those things do, do become such a true testament to effective leadership. Absolutely, Todd. And I think it's really amazing um, the way that companies and HR leaders have responded. And to your point, you know, we, we hear the stories of the layoffs and the furloughs. And certainly those are hard decisions under any circumstance. But I think you also have on the flip side, those organizations, you know, similar to some of the ones you mentioned, where they're ramping up their hiring so much. And now they've got to think through, how do I hire in this new world? Yes. I know I've had the chance to speak with a lot of organizations this week about some of our video interview solutions because that's something that they've not had to do before. And obviously now that's, that's the way of the future. And so it's certainly an interesting time we find ourselves in. And I think you're absolutely right to call out that they need to take a step back and, and appreciate how well they've adjusted given the situation we've, you know, relatively unexpectedly found all of ourselves in. Yeah. So if we think about kind of leadership, right, and we think about the approaches to leadership, I know one thing that, you know, as you've got these types of crisis situations, you know, happening, that collaboration is so important within the leadership team. So talk to me a little bit, if you would, about why that matters and how yeah. that working together in addition to the communication might be a key to success. Yeah, so I think there's a couple of things to, to think about, Michelle, because you're absolutely right. You know, today, leaders and organizations have to be collaborative. What they're trying to do to, as I, as I just mentioned a few moments ago, is they're trying to create a new norm, either on a short or long-term basis. And when we start to think about kind of the learnings they're getting from this experience and using that as a great data point for continuous improvement, both now and the future, I think is going to be valuable. But before we actually kind of see maybe the upside of that, I think we have to actually look at kind of the reality around collaboration in many organizations today, because we hear so much about collaboration. But I think, unfortunately, we may often sometimes fool ourselves into thinking that when we're, that we're collaborating, when in reality, we're just trying to push our own agenda, especially if we're the senior most leader in an organization. 
when we think about what true collaboration is or kind of this concept of collaborative leadership, it really includes the purposeful actions that we take as leaders to enhance the outcomes that we're really trying to strive to achieve. And as part of that, at the same time, we're trying to build deep relationships with all stakeholders and really deepen our learning and understanding of issues and opportunities together as kind of a team or group or organization overall. You know, as part of collaboration, we also talk about this, you know, concept of something called a growth mindset, you know, really kind of growing and expanding our ideas to behave more inclusively versus exclusively. But many times we treat our colleagues in a very fixed way. Again, if I'm, you know, a senior leader or the senior most leader in the organization, we oftentimes say either directly or indirectly through our actions that you're fine to be part of, say, this leadership group or this leadership team, as long as you're sharing in the decision that I'm going to make as a leader. And that's actually not collaborative leadership. I think as leaders, we have to stop thinking that collaboration is really about leaders working together or that it means that stakeholders are going to comply with our goals and objectives that we kind of set out. Collaboration, I think more so, is, is deeper than just that. It really begins with a unified definition of what it means. So what collaboration may look like at one organization versus another versus a third versus a fourth will look different because I think the first discussion really has to be is what do we mean by collaboration? So when we think about what some of the basics that ideally go into a collaborative effort, First of all, it comes back down to some of the basic fundamental pieces that we may know, but I think are kind of worth repeating. We have to make sure that we have a clear and compelling mission and vision. And even kind of in these short-term crises that we, we face today, such as, as COVID-19, we need to understand what is that mission and vision to get through this crisis. I think a second key consideration for more collaborative approaches is that as a group, perhaps of leaders or whoever else needs to collaborate, we need to agree on the communication expectations of each other. So how are we gonna talk? How are we gonna make decisions? How are we gonna interact with one another? How are we gonna challenge ideas or actions that are either supportive or not of our collaborative behaviors? A third thing I think that needs to be included as part of collaboration is that we have what I like to call a community goal. So it's a goal that all of us can contribute to and all of us can, sh can share in the success in. Another thing that we also may take a look at doing, which I think is important, is first of all, understanding and identifying and then leveraging the strengths of everyone on a leadership team. And I think that's where, you know, HR professionals, either internal or external to the organization, can really help take a lead role in helping to define what these key characteristics or strengths are of the individuals as part of perhaps a leadership team. I think a few other things to, to take into consideration as we kind of set this definition of collaboration is really making sure that we're including all the leadership team in as many important decisions as possible. Because all too often what happens, especially in times of crisis, is one leader calls another or one leader interacts with, with another, and they have these side-by-side -side conversations or kind of these two people having, you know, sidebar conversations without the rest of the leadership team's involvement or thoughts or consideration. And that's really not a demonstration of collaborative leadership. You know, if that happens, and let's face it, sometimes it does, 
it's also important for us as leaders that are kind of on those sidelines, not participating in those decisions or in those conversations to call out that behavior at the appropriate time. And if it's happening today, today may not be the appropriate time, may need to wait until tomorrow. But I think one important thing as we look at collaborative leadership, once we come to this decision as to what it is, is when we're seeing the behavior happen, that we acknowledge it and we reward it and celebrate in those successes to say, hey, we're doing a good job as a collaborative leadership team. I think, you know, as, you, as I reflect a little bit more, as I've been kind of talking about some of these things, maybe there's one more important consideration. And when we think about collaboration, we have to ask this question, why are we doing this? And why does collaboration make sense? Which I think sometimes helps with our definition or maybe kind of us understanding why effective collaboration is important. And overall, collaboration really makes the organization a better place. The result of collaboration is that we can, we can see things like an increase in productivity, which ultimately benefits our employees or our customers or maybe other stakeholders that are important to us. But collaboration also allows us to feel more connected to our jobs and our coworkers. It has the proven ability to reduce stress in the workplace. It also has the ability to make our jobs easier over time because we know we can rely on other people to help us accomplish great goals and objectives. And it allows for what I like to refer to as more work freedom, which drives things like creativity and innovation. And I think in general, it makes us happier people. So when we really think about it, our collaboration not only positively impacts the lives of us at work, but it also bleeds into our home life as well, which I think is a key consideration and important. Oh, absolutely, Todd. And I think, you know, if you think about this idea of collaboration, this connectedness idea, it really takes me back to when we chatted last about the remote workplace. And that's something yeah. that people are, are sometimes struggling with, right? And, and trying to maintain the culture and the feel of the organization yeah. while everyone's working remotely. So it's interesting that collaboration is so heart and center of that. I think so. And I think one other thing, you know, as you think about that, Michelle, is that we're, again, people are calling this this unique time or this unprecedented time. Not only do we have remote workers, not only are we trying to learn how to collaborate remotely, but we also have this level of uncertainty or this crisis, either internal or external Absolutely. to the organization, a crisis that's creating a positive experience or maybe a not so positive experience. So it really becomes incumbent upon senior leaders to do this well and really walk the talk and model the behavior. Absolutely, Todd. And I think, you know, as we think about the other thing that I heard you talking about was you know, the healthy culture, but also taking care of, you know, people. And, and I know that's one thing that, you know, at this time is really so important. You know, these leaders are faced with hard decisions and, you know, different ways of coping and changing in a pretty much almost daily evolving climate. And so if we think about that, I know that, that self-care is such an important critical piece. And I know over the years, you and I have chatted a lot about our different self-care means, of yoga <laughs> and meditation and all that. But yeah. talk to me a little bit about what your thoughts are as far as things that leaders should consider to make sure that not only are they taking care of their organization, but that they're also taking care of themselves at this time. Yeah, yeah I think that's a, a great consideration as, as well, Michelle. And all too often, you know, leaders don't think about themselves as, you know, I've times of crisis or just in general. So I think, you know, as we acknowledged that not only is this kind of a unique situation, 
I think we also have to acknowledge that this is really taking a unique toll on leaders because they're making important decisions that are directly impacting, again, either positively or negatively, stakeholders' lives. It could be our employees, it could be our customers, our vendors, our suppliers, and every decision as part of that may weigh heavy on many of the leaders that are making these choices and decisions, either individually or collectively. You know, as we think about it, in general, leadership demands long hours and great effort, but rest and relaxation are just as essential as hard work. And I think leaders know kind of the first part of that, that there's long hours and great effort, but they fail to recognize the second part of that statement, that relaxation and rest is just as essential as the hard work. As we think about it, and you know, from my experience as working with leaders and coaching leaders and you know, looking at not only the academic research, but the practical application of you know, leadership and how leaders are effective in organizations, you know, a simple statement that I'm about to make just makes so much sense. Leaders must take time for themselves. There's really a, a non-negotiable associated with that. And as part of that, they shouldn't apologize or feel guilty for doing so. When we really think about it, and all too often we forget this fact as leaders, we're employees as well. We're also maybe sons or daughters or mothers and fathers before we're professionals. And it's important not to neglect this part of our life that makes us human. And we have to recognize that, that as leaders, we're human too. And when we think about this, we, we have to also kind of reflect and say to ourselves, our failure to embrace what times, what we oftentimes think of as what I'll refer to as white space or downtime or maybe create these opportunities really can actually result in a significant decrease in productivity as well as the quality of the work product that we produce. Because what we know is that as we not, if we don't focus on kind of the wellness aspect, we see an increase in stress that drives other factors, including mental blocks that may hamper our creativity and innovation and maybe overall resilience. You know, as a leader who likes to prioritize downtime myself, you know, I make it a point to ensure that I do different things. You know, in our, in our, first, uh, in our first podcast, I was sharing with you my, my virtual uh, training sessions with my personal <laughs> trainer, and yes. those are still continuing. And I make sure that those are on my calendar each and every day so that I have a distraction from all the other things I'm doing, including podcasts or consulting or some of the other work that I'm doing. But it becomes so important. Because I also think that relaxation and self-care allows us to discover an increase in overall well-being, and it also drives multiple dimensions, I think, of greater performance. You know, even though we know that work-life balance may be a myth, or perhaps it, it might be a myth for some, I think we have to maybe <laughs> shift this focus and call it work-life integration, and more and more we're seeing that term. But as part of work-life integration, we have to prioritize this need to give ourselves time and attention. As we really think about agile leaders, agile leaders really treat these principles with the same regard as the technical components of their work. That well-being and self-care is just important as getting that report done or engaging in a meeting or leading people in different aspects or efforts of organizational success. But I also want to acknowledge a couple of things. There's not a magical formula for self-care. You know, as we've talked over the years, Michelle, you like to do yoga or I like to go to the gym or maybe take a walk or maybe people like to read a book or just kind of kick back and enjoy a glass of wine. For, you know, those listening to the podcast, whatever that is for you, that's, that's awesome and that's great. 
but I'd like to leave the listeners of this podcast with maybe a few questions for them to ask themselves. So take a moment as you're listening to this podcast right now, and I'd like you to, to think of you know, what you like to do um, during the times that you like to unplug during the week. Now, when you do make time to unplug during the week, what is it that you like to do? If you don't, ask yourself the question, what stops you from doing so? And why are all those things that you know, you're kind of putting in front of you getting in the way of paying attention to yourself? Kind of to take that a little step further, I encourage everyone to create a list of maybe their top three or top five or top 10 favorite activities that generate excitement and really enhance your ability to unplug and relax. And as part of that, I'm going to ask you to make a commitment to yourself to do one of these things in the next three, three days, and then a second thing three days later, and then another three days after that. So at the end of nine days, I want you to kind of take a step back and ask this question. Did you miss out on anything of importance from work? And also, how did this relaxing change your perspective as a leader? Did it allow things to sink in? Did it allow a, a different perspective? Did you come up with a great new idea? And I think that you'll be surprised in what you see with those three simple steps. A few more questions that I would really like you to think about kind of during this reflection time is what can you do to commit to this in a more long-term format or in, in a longer-term nature? You know, I think one of the things that I'm hearing, Michelle, all around the world with the clients that I've been interacting is, with is that with this pandemic, it's really given them the opportunity to stop and take stock of what matters the most. And what they've discovered is that while work is important, their outside work life is also is equally important. So, Michelle, I just want to say thank you for having me again in, in your podcast, and I, I hope that it's really helped some people understand some key aspects of what they can do to be a more effective leader during a time of crisis. Thank you so much for joining us, Todd, and I think, you know, we covered a lot of great, um, great aspects, right, of leadership at this time, but I also think, you know, those questions you left people with are, are pretty, um, those are pretty pertinent. So hopefully the listeners will enjoy those. And as you suggested, take some time to reflect on that. But thank you again for joining us. And uh, we look forward to the next one in the series coming up soon. Thanks, Michelle. I look forward to talking with you soon. Sounds good. Thanks, Todd. Thanks for listening to the SHL Smart Teams podcast. To learn more about how SHL helps companies leverage their greatest asset, their people, please visit shl.com.